Welcome back to OK, You're Done, your favorite lunchtime listen podcast. This is episode 25. I'm JR. Wow, episode 25. I feel like that's more of a milestone than 20, I'm going to be honest, because it's like a quarter of the way to 100. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Allie, by the way. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, most of the podcasts I've listened to, unless they're, like, the formal, like, this American life, we are serious here, they don't, like, introduce themselves every time. Oh, because really? they just, like, acknowledge their position as influencers. <laughs> and I'm not saying that we're influencers. Um, because I haven't met anyone who listens to this who, like, doesn't run in one of our circles. That's true. Um, but I, but then, you know, like, we usually say JR and Allie in the episode notes. So if they were, like, wondering. But I just, so I don't know. But I'll just keep saying I'm Allie for a while. I, I wondered if you were just going to go anonymous this whole episode, but you didn't leave me. I, th- I think I'm going to reevaluate at episode 50, if I want to say this is Allie. Okay. Yeah. Because that way you'll still have a whole 50 more episodes to fix it before 100. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, like, your other podcast, like, fascinating podcast, you guys didn't really uh, hit your stride, per se, until maybe, like, episode 200, 250, right? When we brought Kathy on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to tell me, I know. Anyway, I don't know if it sounds different to our listeners, but we're actually in the same room for the first time ever recording an episode. Yeah, we're in my, my childhood bedroom. <laughs> I, I actually redecorated for you. Which I want to say, I want to give you a gold star for hospitality. Thank you. Because I've been noticing the math things you've left <laughs> with the particular highlights, and they are clearly curated. Yes, I did curate Yes, I, I, know, I just want you to know, I see that, I appreciate it. That is above and beyond hospitality, in my opinion. Thank you, yeah, thank you. So. I um I also made a poster of you as a megalodon. <laughs> Are we going to be allowed to post that on our gram? Sure, I okay. don't I mean, I don't see why not. We'll have to ask everyone whose face is on the poster first, but I think that they will all say yes. Yeah, I wouldn't see why not. Yeah. Um, it's terrific. It, and that's hanging in the bathroom, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, along with some... Uh, I, I'd say a, a good balanced mix of reviews, both positive and negative, of this movie called Shark. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Shark, but um, so I'm Shrek in it, and Shark is in the Shrek font. So it's um, it's pretty funny, but here's what happened. I was, I was editing the poster with me and my friends, and we all thought it was hilarious. And I went to text it to a friend who I'd been texting, but I had also been texting you for some reason that day. I don't remember why. And I... Sent it to you. I got a text of this goofy poster um, that featured both me and my wife, uh, along with Allie and, and her siblings, and then immediately said, oops, wrong person, please disregard. I don't know how one disregards something that peculiar and specific. I just wanted you to keep it to yourself. Yeah, which, which I did. Did you? Because I heard you send it to Amanda. Oh, I did send it to Amanda. You're right. I did not. Keep you it sent to it to the one person who you, you should have kept. said. I said, please disregard. Wait, you didn't say, I'm sorry. I meant this to be a surprise for both of you. I would still like it to be a surprise for Amanda. What so does please, please disregard mean to you? Uh, please don't think about this anymore. But again, uh, go ahead and go to our Instagram and look at this picture. And then I, <laughs> I defy you to disregard it after you see it. <laughs> defy. 
I, you know, in hindsight, I should have texted my dad, who was with you at the time, and told him to tell you to have him delete that message before you saw it. I think if you had just said, don't tell Amanda, I would have been like, okay. I just thought that don't tell Amanda was in the subtext of please disregard, but I know for next time. Yeah, no. No, I tell Amanda all kinds of stuff that people would probably prefer I disregard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway, how has being back in your childhood stomping grounds for the summer? Um... I mean, it's honestly really nice. I haven't, like, been here in a very long time, so it's fun to dance in Portland, which I love. Um, But I will say, like, my room looked like how I left it in ninth grade, which was the last time I actually lived in this room, and I just have never fixed it. It's just, I don't like organizing and decorating. So you coming to stay in my room was actually a really nice motivation to take down, like, the, like, cards people gave to me in ninth grade that were on the cork board and pick up the book piles on the floor. (laughs) So, (laughs) but no, no, it's good. You know, but here you are in my childhood stomping grounds. Um, How have you been, like, in Portland? How's the food been? Obviously great. Uh, This is only the second time we've ever been here. Right. Uh, The first time was for my 40th birthday, uh, almost three years ago, which you were here then, too, just weirdly, randomly, which was great. Well, I think I actually flew home to hang out with you guys. Okay, so for for over here, yeah. So, um, obviously, you know, we love your whole family. It's great to hang out. Uh, We were talking about how... We have had a good mixture of, like, unstructured hangout time. And then also going and doing a few things. Like, you know, we went to Palace Books. We went, uh, you know, your dad and I went to the beach and hung out for a couple days. Uh, uh, Krista and Amanda went to a winery, you know. So it's been, it's been, it's been a good mix, you know. Um, so it's, it's a very relaxing time. We love coming up here. Try to do it more regularly. You know, now that we're out from under this pandemic we've been in. So, uh, and, and one of the... Most anticipated activities was all of us going together to see the Meg 2. Yes! Of course, longtime listeners know Allie and I are both big fans of the Meg, fingers crossed, franchise? Yeah, I, I think it must be a franchise. I mean, I guess we'll see how Meg 2 does in the box office. Right. There have been a lot of surprising flops this summer, but... Um... Hopefully not the Meg. Hopefully it makes a splash. Mm. <laughs> wow, that was great. Uh, is it safe to say that other perhaps other perhaps than my wife Amanda, who's a big shark fan, we enjoyed it the most of our crew that went? I think so. I think so. The thing is, my dad was laughing a lot, but that doesn't necessarily mean he enjoyed it. He seemed like he was laughing at, whereas he I was, feel like we were at, laughing with. Yeah. No, I, I think that's probably pretty fair. I just... The thing about the Meg is it's so ridiculous, and I love going into it just knowing that it's stupid, it doesn't make sense, um, and that it's going to be very, very shark. Right. These are thinly veiled excuses to have a shark five times the size of Jaws terrorize people. Um. Yeah, That that's pretty much what it is. And I actually, I've been wondering about this because you went on, like, a rampage on the show about... Uh, 
I think it was called like 65, 69. Oh, yeah, 65, yep. It's like the one that is like an alien movie, but also a planet Earth dinosaur movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you were really upset that like they weren't like lifelike, I guess. Like they weren't based in history right. dinosaurs. Correct. So talk to me about how the Meg did for you, like, that way. Right. So uh, this is the thing, right? Like, any shark movie, uh, again, these are these are a genre that's being called, called shark exploitation, right? And I think that, I mean, it is silly, but I think it's also accurate because you, you cannot have a realistic shark attack movie because sharks don't actually attack people, like, when they're behaving according to their natural instincts. Right. When a shark attacks someone, it's always because there was a misunderstanding or humans were doing something they weren't supposed to be doing, right? Um, this is, if, if you just were in the water next to a shark, it's not going to just go, oh, you look like food to me, because we don't. We don't look like food, we don't act like food. So you always have to put an asterisk when you go into a shark movie and saying, like, we're already watching a fantasy, right, from, from the get-go. Uh, that said... Yeah, what do you want? You want these giant creatures that are unstoppable, that feel invincible, that feel inevitable in some ways, and you want to be in a place where there's not a lot of land, because obviously if you want to get away from a shark, just run up the beach a few yards. Uh, And this movie delivered that, right? We got lots of weird creatures. We got the thinnest veneer of plausibility to let us go, yeah, 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 sure. We all know what we came here for, right? And I thought the plot was pretty fun overall. It gave us a lot of good thrills and chills and shark moments. And the CGI wasn't great, but it's never that great in shark movies. That's why Spielberg used a robotic shark. And ever since then, you know, we've all been chasing that Jaws high. So I don't know. What about you? So, but just just to clarify here, after saying, I would say that was probably 90% nice things about the movie. What grade did you give it? I gave it a B minus. Yeah. Okay, so 90% good things... B minus. The way I should explain my, if, if you follow me on Instagram and see how I grade movies, if a, if a film does everything I expect it to do, I give it a B. Like, that's like, a B means meets expectations for me. A B is, I'm happy with a movie I see that I give a B. This one had a little bit too much plot, didn't have quite enough shark action for me, so yeah, I dropped it down a little bit, but it was a fun movie. I'm going to go see it again in a couple days. By the time this episode comes out, I'll have already seen it twice. So one of the things I love about the Meg franchise is that almost as soon as I see it, I forget it. And it doesn't matter how many times I see that movie. I have watched the Meg on an airplane so many times. It's just like it's a comfort film for you. (laughs) (laughs) On the airplane. Yeah. It's like I don't know like what airline it is that just always has the Meg. But one of them does. And so when I, you know, it's like transition points in my life where I'm like going to a new city, like moving in somewhere new, I get on that airplane and after I sleep for four hours, I'm like time for the mech. And then I fall asleep during that too. Um, But no, and I I never remember what happened. I watched a recap of the mech today, which I really just recently watched when I was flying home from school. And I was like, whoa. I don't remember any of these I forgot about all of these people. Do they die? Who knows? Um, which some of them do. Yeah. Uh, but lots of great shark action. Um, spoiler alert, although I have to say, if you're worried about getting the Meg 2 spoiled for you, I don't think you're going to like it. Yeah, that's true. Um, but there's a scene where the shark is getting like choked out by a giant octopus. Um, 
which I, I just thought that was a really nice, I guess, little surprise that they also threw an octopus in there. An octopus that's even bigger than the Megs. Yes, even bigger. It has tentacles everywhere. Um, it makes me want to know, were there really octopus that large? You know, like the Meg is a real well, creature, isn't right? isn't it like, uh, I guess. Um, it, octopus, like, it's one of those creatures that we still have a lot that we don't know right. about them. And they're like... You know, like, my octopus friend. Like, they're very mysterious to us. Yeah. And we don't understand them. Um, they're so weird and cool. Yeah, actually, I would actually agree with that. Usually when you say anything like that about any kind of animal, I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that? We found common ground with the octopus. Yeah, I, I do think octopi are pretty cool, right along with jellyfish, so. So cool. Yeah. And weird. Yeah, I mean, just under the sea in general. I mean, I'm a big mermaid fan, too. Just, like, any fantasy under the sea, I'm here for. Which is maybe why I like the shark movies. Because I appreciate what you said about, like, it has to be a fantasy. Sharks don't usually try to eat people. Do you, Like, do you think that would still be true with a megalodon, though? Well, that's that's the fun of these movies, right? We don't know <laughs> because they're extinct. And so we can make up whatever rules we want. But honestly, my hunch is that we're too small fare for a Meg to waste its time with. Uh, if it's, again, if it's out in the ocean, I was I was genuinely thinking to myself as we have these three giant sharks eating people, it's like, how many people would they need to eat like a day to mm. maintain their calorie count? You know, right. like we are, we, we can't be that filling for them. Uh, especially when we see them chomping down on giant octopuses and giant squids and, and things like that. So yeah, my I mean, my suspicion would be that, that we would be too small for them to waste their time on. Uh, though, again, maybe they're not that picky. I don't know. Very hard to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the other last best part about this movie is the Megalodon are huge, like you said. I mean, they're, like, definitely bigger than orcas. They're just as big as the filmmakers want to make them, right. really. Um, and they can swim in the shallows, too, actually. Um, completely underwater. They can jump up out of the shallows to eat people. Or Tyrannosaurus um, rexes. Yeah, or Tyrannosaurus rexes, just up on the shallows. And then they can turn around and swim back where they came. So mm-hmm. that's something else I really love about these movies is they considered that question and they just said, you know what? They can shapeshift. <laughs> they can be as... Uh Capable on land as we need them to be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, so I'm curious. You know, we're getting towards the end of the summer. There are not a whole lot of new films left before Labor Day. Do you have a favorite movie or two of this? Because we talked about, like, what was maybe coming down the pike a few episodes ago. You mentioned there have been a ton of bombs this summer (laughs) that have not just, like, not done well at all. Uh, so yeah, as you're looking back over the summer, are there a couple of movies that really stand out as particularly enjoyable? I mean, off the top of my head, and I did just go see this, but Barbie. I'm trying to remember what came out, like, in June. That was Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Okay. Spider-Verse is definitely number one for me. I mean, that film was just incredible, and the soundtrack, and the animation, everything, everything, everything. Uh, then after that, Barbie, and I think I haven't really thought anything else was great besides that. I'd agree with that. I mean, Barbie is, is, I think, by the time this episode comes out, it will have passed across the Spider-Verse to make the, it'll be the second most, uh, second highest grossing film of the year behind the Super Mario Brothers movie. 
and and higher than any other movie this summer. And it is terrific. It deserves all of the accolades. It was just such a fun movie. Obviously, also loved Across the Spider-Verse. You have not seen this yet, but I think, again, by the time the episode drops, you will have seen Talk to Me. Yes, yeah, I'm going to see that very yeah. soon. That is my, that's my other favorite. Um, I think it was, I just really enjoyed it a lot. It's, it is a smart take on the genre of possession films. Um, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, but, you know, we didn't, I will also say this. I didn't, this is not in my running for best movie of the summer. But I have to say, there are a few film franchises that I have been as hard on as the Transformers franchise. Rightfully so. Most of those movies are terrible. The Bumblebee movie that came out a few years ago, did you see that? I haven't seen any Transformers movies. Do you care about, like, any of that, like, the cartoon or any of that? Is that just, like, not a... It's something that I feel like I could have gotten into if someone that was my friend was really excited about it, but I've never had that. There's never a reason to be excited about these movies. They were all bad. (laughs) Okay. The Bumblebee movie, I didn't go see in theaters because I'd seen all of the other ones and they were all terrible. And a bunch of people were like... I mean, don't get us wrong, it's not great, but it's, like, fine. It's pretty It's pretty good. And it, it does it. It's set in the 80s, and it has almost kind of, like, an E.T. vibe where, like, Bumblebee is lost and separated from the other Transformers, and Haley Steinfeld is in it, who's great. I like her and everything she's in. So it was, like, it was like I watched it at home, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, if this was sort of par for the course for the other Transformers movies, I would feel much better about that franchise. So this new one came out this summer, Rise of the Beasts. Uh... Did not go see it in a theater, but again, heard a similar kind of a thing. It was like, oh, like, it's pretty good, actually, and I would like to report, I did watch it at home, and it is pretty good. Um, The action is competently directed. You can tell how many robots are in any given scene, which you would think would be a baseline for that franchise. I'm here to tell you it is not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, The human characters are not annoying. They work well with the giant robots that they're partnering with or fighting against, which again you would think is a baseline for a movie like this and is not. Uh, and the plot is fine. Like, it's, again, inherently a little silly. You've got giant robots hiding in plain sight, traversing the globe, looking for stuff, right? Like, and it, it's fine. Like, it again, if all of the Transformers movies were, like, around this level of quality, I think the franchise would be much better regarded overall. So I, I'm not sorry that I saw it, unlike several of the others, which... So did you give it an A since it surpassed your expectations? (laughs) No, I think I gave it a B minus still. Because again, it didn't, it's not that, it's not my expectation. It's like, what do I think a movie is trying to do? Right? Not like, did I expect this to be a dumpster fire and it was good? I'll give it an A. No, it's, is this, is this a competently made movie about giant robots, you know, fighting right and I was like okay yeah like it mostly did the job is a little long still right it's still not a it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination and didn't like wow me at any point right didn't surprise me didn't like delight me you know so still like b minus c plus area so I didn't hear you mention Oppenheimer which we (laughs) talked about last time and I feel like going into seeing the movie you were more optimistic than me, maybe. That's true. That's probably yeah. fair to say. You know, I liked Oppenheimer. I think I gave it an A- minus right after seeing it. Um, in part because I was shocked that a three-hour movie about people talking in rooms didn't feel like a five-hour movie. <laughs> you know, when it finished, I was like, okay, I'm, 
I, I didn't want to sit through another two hours of it, but it didn't feel like, uh, for instance, when I got out of Avatar 2. I was just like, whoa, that f I felt like every second of that three hours and 15 minutes, you know. Um, it didn't feel quite like that. Uh, and I thought uh, it was really competently directed. Like, I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff happening. Um, I do think overall, though, the film has some big blind spots that would probably, the more I've thought about it, discussed it, um, the, the more I'd probably want to lower it down because I, I think I think some of the objections you raised are, are really cogent. Um, Amanda, my wife, brought some uh, uh, to light as well. And, you know, just again, kind of having longer to sit with it and thinking about the stories it didn't tell and then talking about what it chose to focus on, right? So, yeah. um, I don't know, you saw it, I think, a little bit more recently. And again, you were, would you say it was about what you expected or did it disappoint you or... I think it was about what I expected, and I will say just from here, if, if, if you don't want this movie to be spoiled, I think just come back and listen to this some other time, but just like the Meg, if this is a movie that can be spoiled for you, you're not going to like yeah, it. Yeah, there's not a lot I that just... would even count as a spoiler. I mean, <laughs> yeah. As long as you know he built the atomic bomb, which is like literally in the trailer, so... Y yeah, so... <laughs> Um, you know, going into this, I was not, I did not have high hopes that it would be a movie that felt good to me morally. Um, and I watched the movie and I think pretty much exactly as I expected, I was like, they told the story of the white man who was in power and they tried to make me feel bad for him. And there's a whole host of other issues that went along with that. Um, but I guess I just really, I would have loved for them to bring in other perspectives. And I think what I, what I maybe didn't expect as much is the movie tries really, really hard to feel like it's taking a neutral point of view. Um, I just feel like there are so many choices in the filmmaking to try to make it feel like they're telling all the sides of the story, um, or at least telling all the sides that you can in like a close third-person point of view situation, and that was just like so untrue. And I was like, why? Like, why are we pretending? Because the the Christopher Nolan had to have known that he is seriously omitting some very important voices you would think that right with well, and i'll say this um so it is based on a biography of oppenheimer yes uh even if he wanted to make a direct adaptation of this biography a, a filmmaker of nolan's caliber ought to be responsible enough to be able to look at the biography and say this is omitting some important perspectives that deserve to be told. Uh, so yeah, I don't. I don't think either way. And, and again, I haven't read American Prometheus, the, the the biography. So my assumption is that it also does not include those perspectives. But even if, if it does, and Nolan removed them, or if it doesn't, and he continued that, right? I don't think he's off the hook either way. Um, yeah, you're right. Like someone of his caliber, with the resources he can bring to bear. Uh, I think has a responsibility to be more careful in how he tells stories. And this is far from the first time Nolan has been criticized for the way he tells stories. You yeah. know, he's been under fire, uh, rightfully so, in a number of films for the lack of uh, characters of color or the 
very poor way women are uh, characterized and, you know, presented on the screen, which this film is terrible at. Uh, you know, his, his wife and his mistresses are all pretty one-dimensional, you know, and uh, not given anywhere near the complicated, uh, or the permission to be as complex and complicated and tortured as he is, you know. Yeah, and I mean, the worst part of that is it really feels like the movie is trying to pretend to be neutral. Like, oh, this is just how Oppenheimer saw the woman in his life. Um, it's not a movie that considers any of its, that gives you anything about how smart the people it's talking about were. There is no information about the actual science that was going on. There is no information about why people are conflicted. It's just kind of like, oh, they're conflicted, lol. <laughs> that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's such an important uh, way to talk about this movie is it it wants to pretend to be... It wants to pretend to be objective, even though it's clearly an apology for Oppenheimer himself, and uh, neither of those is a good choice. Uh, atomic power is probably not something we have the luxury, at least as Americans, of being neutral about. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. We don't have the luxury to be neutral about something as important as that. And all of the lives lost in our country and other countries and, like, future lives, too. Well, and, yeah, nuclear power, all the, you know, everything from Three Mile Island in New Jersey to Chernobyl, right? I mean, it's, it is it is very much that, I, again, the, the biography is called The American Prometheus. It opens with a quote about Prometheus, and it's, it's that Pandora's box sort of Greek mythology thing. Like, once you steal the fire from the gods, you can't give it back. Like, it's, you know, the, the, the evils are out of the box, sort of, you know, and all of that. And it's, yeah, um, it's... <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just that we're both much more interested in that question than the movie wanted to be. But it seemed like, all uh, to your point, it seemed like it just wanted us to feel bad about this guy who was tortured about this decision. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, here JR and I are agreeing on a film. So We promise that... it won't happen very often. <laughs> so, I'm sorry for that. I know you guys come here to listen to us fight and this was more of a yes and situation um we'll we'll get back to business soon here i think just next week's episode there's going to be a lot of arguing i think so with that jr's done i'm done we're done we'll see you next week Go to bed, win your diet.